It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, and we are ready to talk about uh, the latest batch of episodes from this weekend, episode five, episode six. And uh, back with us, uh, we are here with the great Jessica Lee's Jess, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. Um, I heard we're going to be doing some packing, stacking, tracking, we'll probably be talking about that shellacking from A shellacking. episode five. Yes, yes. I mean, ultimately, it was uh, like a pretty, a pretty close uh, team competition. Uh, well, I know in episode six. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all over the place trying to come up with a, a weekend of tough as nails, bookending uh, the start and end of our weekend. But we'll talk more about the dominance of Dirty Hands at the expense of Savage Crew. And yeah, it's just uh, it's just Jess and I here uh, so far. We're waiting for uh, Mike Bloom to join us. Oh wait, hold on. Yes, okay, it's Mick Broom. That's right. My name's Mick Broom. I'm in custodial services. <laughs> I heard you want to bring me on for a podcast. Yes. Well, 
you know, Rob, this guy looks a little bit like a guy we've seen before. He's mm-hmm. kind of familiar to me. He's pretty, he's pretty familiar. Uh, Mick Broom, uh, that, do you have some thoughts on tough as nails this week? Oh, absolutely love it. My favorite show on television. I do 500 burpees the entire time the show runs. <laughs> Phil, get me on there. Mick Broom will sleep up the competition. Yeah, so Mick Broom, uh, that uh, I'm so interested to know why you're here and, and why you're here this week. Well, as we know, these challenges were all about getting dusted and dirty. And I'm here to tell Paul it's okay to get dirty sometimes. It's okay to get stuck on a rock. It's okay to fall off a balance beam. That's what we do in custodial services. <laughs> okay. Well, Mick, it's so nice to have you here uh, for this week's Tough as Nails uh, recap. Uh, Did you have anything in particular you wanted to say about these episodes? Well, the one thing I'd like to say is you were totally fooled. It wasn't Mick Broom. Oh, oh, I I can't believe it. You all got so cool. How about them apples? My God, they're as delicious as some nice ambrosia apples. The looks on your faces. Yeah. Doing well. Doing well. Yeah, that was a pretty. It took me a second to figure out where we were going uh, with this, uh, Mick. But yeah, we just we opened up episode five with somebody incognito. And I'm like, am I supposed to know who this person actually is? Is this Martin Short doing another character? <laughs> Could you imagine? You know, it is It is the weirdest thing, though. Like, you're going to bring Martin Short into your show, and then you're going to put some other person, arguably, objectively less famous than Martin Short. Well, she is a Jill of all trades, to be fair. I mean, it's fair. Like, in the Covers Nails world, I don't know who's more famous here, but you're going to put that person incognito. You're going to put Leah incognito when you had Martin Short, Man of a Thousand Disguises, right there. First off, Lee Cognito, please. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I. this was so silly, and I love it. I would have failed this 100%. Even if I had, like, known every pore on Leah's skin, I feel like the the amount of paraphernalia she was wearing just felt like there was so much distraction going on. I definitely would have fallen for it. Listen, it's pretty dang random. When we brought in alumni in the past, it was to do with challenges that are usually in their trade. Look, Leah certainly has done a lot. I'm not sure how much apple picking she has done, especially in the high-speed, volatile manner that they did it in Mm -hmm. this episode. But I'm always happy when they bring in alumni, and it was nice to see Leah here, or Leanne, I suppose. Yeah, was it just that, okay, well, Leah has nothing to do with apple picking, so have her play a character, and then reveal, aha, gotcha, bazinga. Well, we kind of had two episodes this week. Like, apple picking was, you know, that's an industry, that's a thing. The second episode, there really was no actual industry involved in that. Like, there was no trade to speak of. Mm -hmm. So. I don't, maybe the maybe episode six would have been the one to bring her on. Yeah, I don't know. Episode six was more so the hazards of bringing things from one place to another. I guess of well, you gotta find the things, then you gotta drive them across dirt laden roads. Well, that speaks to Jill of all trades, maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. just believe that CBS and, and what did Jack and Jill do, Mike? Uh, they made a bad Adam Sandler movie. They went up the hill. They went oh, up gotcha. the hill and they had to and they had to carry a fetch a, pet, fetch a pail of water. Uh, that's yeah. carrying things. 
Yeah, I do. Then they well, fell I, down and broke the crowns. Yeah, and so did Cheryl in this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I think CBS misses Undercover Boss a bit. I think they had some <laughs> leftover prosthetics. And they're like, all right, who can we put incognito to have them blend in with the rest of these contestants? Okay. All right. Well, that was just the setup for episode number five. And uh, this was like a really wild competition where everybody was going through the apple orchard. I got to be honest, I didn't really know uh, what was going on, but I was having fun. I Can I just say... I think I can say with a stamp of approval after six episodes, this is my favorite Tough as Nails season since the first one. Uh, Mike, I hear you. I feel the same way. I've really enjoyed And I don't know if it's maybe just watching the two episodes like uh, and, you know, I know it's on Friday and Sunday, but I've been watching them back to back. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I feel like I've really liked these characters. But Jess, are, are you warming up to this particular cast? I feel like I know them a little bit better. Yeah. And I think maybe this does speak to the fact that we're watching two episodes at a time. And we're usually like, I don't know about you guys. I don't watch them the second they air. I either watch mm -hmm. the screener ahead of time or I catch it on Paramount Plus the next day. And I feel like maybe Tough as Nails is one of those shows that lends itself better to a binge. Uh, that is entirely possible, especially when it's like the ongoing storylines of especially like in the team aspects of it, where the stuff that carries over from one week to the next. And I don't always remember like who was who did what in the challenge from week to week, but maybe watching two episodes in a row and this season having like more of like an ongoing storyline with like the struggles of Savage Crew. No, I have very much enjoyed uh, this season of Tough as Nails. I can't believe we're more than halfway done. Yeah, I don't think it's coincidental that we've talked about how much we've enjoyed this for the first time since the first season. And both of them deal with the recurring storyline of Savage Crew being an absolute Zeppelin crash. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, again, as I talked about last week, having that narrative in the team competition that serves as a through line rather than we got to tie it up or we got to get that money. We got to protect the people that have been eliminated. That really carries through. And I think on top of that, this is a really fun cast not only in terms of personalities and comedy but as we see over these next two episodes just the ability to speak their mind and the fact to also speak their mind about how not liking when people speak their mind i really go back and forth as to whether jessica or my fallen flamingo queen in cheryl I, i've worn flamingos in her honor is my favorite but like to have the two of them as well as some of these other standouts on one season is something we don't often get on Tough as Nails. Well, one of the other interesting storylines is that we have had this, I think, for the first time in Tough as Nails. I can't recall another time where this happened where basically Dirty Hands has sort of like has anointed, OK, Cheryl is the crew boss. She's basically going to like for I think this is the fourth time that she is going to be our leader. She's good at it. And she's basically like the coach of this team. And mm -hmm. I do think that that has been very interesting to, you know, follow along with as opposed to like different people bouncing around. And now I also feel like that Savage Crew has uh, had Jessica do it a number of times. Also, I don't know if they're sort of trying to copy what's been working for Dirty Hands. But Jess, can you remember another time that a person has done as many uh, being the crew boss? You know, it's happened at least one other time that I can think of, but I can't think of exactly which one it is. I want to say maybe Sergio was the crew leader a lot of times last season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure specifically. I'd have to, we'd have to refer to our Tough as Nails data 
wonks to come up with that. Yeah. And she's been yeah. very successful. That's the thing is they vocalize in the fifth episode, right? Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's really interesting considering that when we talked with Phil back in season one, we sort of asked, is there a sort of invisible rule of thumb that everyone has to be crew boss at least once? And Phil said, no, you can do it however you want to. You can draw straws. You can look at the job at hand. And it seems like Dirty Hands really adopted this motto of despite one of their team members branding themselves as the jack of all trades, they felt that Cheryl, I think between like, her life experience, her general measured way of thinking would be the one to say, hey, let's take charge of this. Now, I guess the question is next week. So Dirty Hands won last week with Cheryl, barely, but won. But she did lose the individual yes. competition. Do they feel like that, along with her literal physical handicap, will be enough of a handicap well, to have her step it's down? It's also a position that tends to require the least physicality. So I feel like that's also been part of this decision making where that instead of like her running around, she can sort of just be the person who is like telling everybody what to do. I also feel like that her leadership I, I think was a little sus in the second task that we saw. Uh, but she had no problem. Like, you know what? What I'm doing isn't working. And she turned it over to Carly. Uh, and ultimately, Dirty Hands stole a team victory in episode six. Yeah, that was a really... Shoplifted. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. And that was one of those challenges that, you know, we see it on Amazing Race all the time. So we know what the optimal strategies are, I think, in a way that we usually are way out of our depth on this show. I mean, yeah. this is supermarket sweep, is it not? Mm -hmm. To mm -hmm. a lack of a better extent. I know that it's not completely gather, you know, the most high value things like we see in that particular show, but it very much is testing your knowledge of the store and the ability to grab things in a very detail oriented manner. All right, well, let's talk about some of the specific tasks uh, that we saw in these episodes. And the apple orchard, uh, really, this was dirty hands putting on a clinic uh, as opposed to Savage Crew, where, you know, we just see like it's time after time do that dirty hands, speed check, speed check. Okay, let's just have like a very like disciplined plan of attack for this. And Savage Crew is just going to be like uh, just all over the place. And this was a task where it seems like having the much more like regimented approach was the ideal way to uh, approach this task because ultimately there was a thousand pound difference in and like a thousand pounds of apples is a lot of apples. Yeah, you never hear about it when there's a there's a total blowout of a challenge. And I think this is going to be something that I'm going to eventually want to ask Phil. Like, are they all really that close? Or the fact that we are putting such a lampshade on it when it actually, you cannot edit around how terribly unclose that was. Um, and he seemed pretty, you know, dramatic about the fact that there was a thousand pound, like literal half a ton difference between the two. Mm -hmm. It's, pretty it's pretty amazing like seriously we don't get we don't get blowouts like that every week yeah no i what i think is interesting is even though it was such a blowout of an outcome they tried to like edit it to be a little close you have those confessionals of dirty hands people being like but i don't know jessica swiped one of the baskets out from under ben but i think it was maybe more so to just recap the action i guess the other question 
as we get into eventually the the debriefing of it all and definitely one of the most heated conversations we have ever had on tough as nails between jessica and akila is do you think savage crew threw out the equivalent of a thousand pounds of apples with just all of the nonchalant willy-nilly tossing they were doing onto these these poor bushels yeah it's possible that my questions about this were like uh there was the infiltration that was going infiltrate. on infiltrate just did you get a sense of like they were just uh taking the apples that were on the course for the yeah. other team yeah well i think I mean, Phil is pretty clear that you could get any apples that were on the course. They mm-hmm. weren't like there were no apple dips. It was like whatever ones. Apple you dips could, are delicious. Yeah, that sounds pretty damn good. Love me some apple dips. He was pretty clear that you could just take whatever ones you wanted, but sniping them out from out from in front of people, I think, was what was going on there. And it's like, come on, man. You didn't, you know, if you don't have your hands on it, it's not yours. Yeah, this isn't an attack zone type of thing. And I I love this because also this show celebrates positivity and it usually is about like a handshake at the end of the day, even when you lose out on a chance of $200,000 on a big truck. But here it all goes out the window, just like One World, actually, similarly to that season, right? Michael Jefferson style, just grab whatever happens. And I love that Savage Crew is the first to make the Savage move and just start hopping into because essentially these two tractors were going parallel side by side and so you grab the bushels that are in front of you but here comes jessica being like nope screw that and then just cuts to the right and starts picking up bushels and then it is all out mayhem from then on out and it leads to an absolute fracas to your point rob very hard to track but still a very fun visual yeah but i feel like that we did not end up seeing that much bad blood between uh the two teams over this i was like uh oh uh, that we might really see some uh heated words between savage crew and dirty hands we ultimately just saw heated words between savage crew and savage crew <laughs> yeah it was intra it wasn't inter yeah, so you would think that, like, oh, Paul's not going to like this. Uh, but no, everybody seems to be uh, getting uh, along. It was all in I good mean, Paul, fun. Paul also did not like it, though. That's I think that's becoming my favorite thing about Paul is that he complains about every single team challenge. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't want him to take on the stereotypical grumpy old man persona. And he has been through a lot. He talked about the physical rigors of going through chemo only a year ago and now having to do all this. But... One of my low-key favorite parts of Tough as Nails Season 5 is Paul coming into a challenge and being like, oh, God, again? All right, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, are we to take from this that these challenges are worse than having chemo? I mean, what was he like when he was All getting right, the treatments? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, it seems like that he was just gassed uh, that he could want to borrow somebody's lungs, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought he was putting in the he was putting in such great work, like mm-hmm. really yeah. an inspiration to see how how much of a bounce back he's made. Yeah. But it's it's just like I think there's sometimes there's people that are, you know, they're not genuinely. And we've seen this on Amazing Race a million times. We've seen people like they're not genuinely bad at the tasks. They're not genuinely like they don't really hate their life. That's just how they process what they're doing at any given time. Yeah. I think Paul is one of these people like like a Brooke or a Haley where they're, they're doing okay, but they're not really miserable. They just like, they're just talking. 
Also, one of my favorite parts of these two episodes was in the second challenge where Paul, I don't know if you all saw this, he had a pole he was carrying to the loading up area and he went, pole vaulting! And he just like <laughs> threw himself into it with the pole. <laughs> I did not catch that. Uh, but Paul was gassed. We saw also Carolina was also uh, pretty gassed. Uh, it seemed like that she had just gathered a bunch of apples and took a break and was just like uh, sitting around and waiting for the truck to come. Ultimately, when Savage Crew loses the challenge, we're going to see Akila's going to be really down on her team. And, you know, that we saw Jessica sort of say to everybody about like, hey, you know, let's just like um, this isn't a sprint. Let's we don't have to go all out. And Akila was like, no, we did. We did need to go all out. Um, and Akila, I just think, has like a level of physicality that nobody else on this team seems to be able to match. And I think she might be like a real contender to win the whole season. Well, I think especially considering that the prize is individual and not team based and not to say that she has problems playing with other kids. She and Jessica actually get along surprisingly swimmingly in that second challenge until they lose. And then it immediately goes back to square one. But what I think you did was really nail what Akilah's dynamic is. It's like, I don't think she means badly. I don't think she's saying like, you all are slobs, you're weaklings, I hate this. But she comes from this ultra competitive world of martial arts where like training is all about pushing your body to the breaking point and then some. And so I think her bar for like physical acumen is sky high at this point. Yeah. And I don't think Jessica was lying when she said like, I did my best. I put in everything that I want to. It's more so an ability of like, we talk about this in Survivor, right? In a tribal aspect where you have these bigger guys being like, well, so-and-so skinnier woman isn't doing it in the challenges. She's not participating enough. And they're like, I am. It's just that you are in a completely different planet than I am. And so my 100% is not going to equal your 100% necessarily. Yeah, Jess, it's interesting that in the second episode, we had that it was uh, Akila and Cheryl go head to head in the overtime in the second episode. And the two of them are really just such contrasts in style where Cheryl is all about speed check, speed check. We're going too fast. Let's check it out. Let's make sure we're doing the right thing. Where Akilah is like, no, forget, forget this. Like, we are not going fast enough. We need to be moving faster. And I think that uh, we saw this last season. I think that she has like a little bit of angel in her. Uh, mm. Where uh, I, I, and I think that she's probably like a little more organized than Angel ultimately was. Where I think that he was uh, presented as more of like a chicken without its head. Uh, <laughs> but like she's just like uh, she's like I can go fast. Like uh, why aren't we just going all going faster? Well, that speaks again to what her background is. And in a combat sport, you are going as hard as you can, like anything meaningful that you're doing, you're doing 150% the entire time you're doing it. Like there, and there is no, there is no like pausing to think about your strategy. It's like everything is instantaneous. And, you know, Angel came from that same background. He was also, he was a boxer, right? He was a boxer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, it doesn't surprise me. And it's also the extra emphasis on like Jessica is someone who's trying to convey, like, you know, we did a, we did a lot of really good stuff out there, even if we didn't win. And, you know, you should tell she's a mom. Um, but Akila in that world, 
that's not how you think about not winning. Like Mm -hmm. it is much, much more important. And so she really takes it to heart. If like, it doesn't really matter how close it was or how well you did, or if there were any good moments you can take from, it's like you didn't win. So it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have seen so much drama from Savage Crew in the damn van uh, this season. And between, you know, we had Paul versus Jessica and we had, you know, uh, Carolina versus Paul. And we get to this time like uh, uh, Aquila versus Jessica versus Carolina. And it's like really been they I mean, Mike, they are a Savage Crew. Yeah. And there's Dustin in the back like, OK, everyone, quiet time for mm-hmm. 15 minutes, please. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's a good thing that we kept the damn van cams because yeah. like it, the the fact that Phil told us that they almost didn't do that from the jump, that is wild to me. What do you even have a show if you don't have the damn van? It's fantastic. It's like locker room cams, right? Like getting to see these people try to debrief after everything. And like, especially with this type of team where there are so many alphas who are willing to speak their mind, tensions are just boiling to the surface. And then it also interestingly carries into this individual challenge where Jessica's like, okay, Akilah thought I wasn't going fast enough. Well, screw you. I'm going to prove that my strategy works. Yeah. We also had a great uh, damn van scene in, I believe it was in uh, the second episode of the weekend where, uh, you know, Cheryl is like uh, really just, you know, giving everybody like a a pep talk about it. And she talks about how, you know, uh, this is like a a great time where she's able to like uh, sort of like figure herself out. And, you know, even if she doesn't uh, like in 50 years, maybe she didn't always uh, know exactly who she was or at least wasn't comfortable vocalizing like who she was. Now the world has sort of uh, caught up that it doesn't matter. Who cares? That was well, that was that was Cheryl's personal story bump. Yeah. 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 But I thought that was it was beautiful. And like, to be candid, it was a nice reminder to me, I think we have all become obviously very cognizant of how it feels sometimes that the world is going backwards with a lot of stuff that has been put forward by certain people in the past few years. And so it is really nice, especially, you know, a 55 year old woman coming forward to say now more than ever, I feel like I can be myself. And that, that, that wasn't to like disclose any part of her identity whatsoever, but to say like back in the day, I never felt essentially comfortable. I felt like I had to be put in a box and then essentially all the boxes have been broken apart. At this point, the apples are spilling all over the place. I'm just trying to be me. I think it's like a fantastic statement of identity that honestly applies to so many people from so many different generations nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to put a label on anything anymore. You can just be who you are. Yeah. So a really great moment for Cheryl. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's talk about the individual challenge from uh, the first episode. And uh, this was, uh, okay, a very tough individual challenge where we had to plant these spikes into the ground. Uh, here comes a huge Drummond. Uh, Jess, Phil was very taken with huge Drummond. <laughs> huge Drummond? Is that yes, what you said, yes. Rob? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to say huge Drummond and not call him huge Drummond. Yeah. I mean, he. Had, did you see those shoulders? <laughs> it was pretty huge Drummond. Yeah. Yeah, he... I, I mean, we have to... We have to like any of the local people who are letting you come on their property and basically waste two tons of apples and totally wreck your saplings. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got to give this guy some credit because it was really nice of him to let everybody come up out here. And also it was nice to meet an actual person that works in the apple orchard rather than a person in disguise. (laughs) What what if he was like, it's me, Rupert Lee. I'm in disguise. (laughs) There is no huge Drummond. I was inside a big suit. Uh, I, I love this guy too. And I think he was actually one of the rare experts to like have that banter with Phil or at least consistently vocalize like what people were doing correctly and incorrectly, because that was essentially the entire story of this challenge. And look at Kenji. I feel like Kenji has been, very silently running through this competition like he did from the bullies once upon a time. And look, on the surface, this may be a bit of, uh, you know, an obtuse connection, but like I was very much reminded of like Yao Man in the opening episode of Survivor Fiji. They can't open the box. And so he just drops the box on its corner to open it up. Here's Kenji being like, I'm not going to use my arm strength. I'm not going to pull a Jessica and like throw my whole body into it. Let gravity do the work. Yeah. And he wins as a result. Well, yeah, I feel like that Kenji, his storyline has been like, and it hasn't always borne fruit, uh, no pun intended, but I feel like that he has always approached every single task of like, I'm going to, I have this other idea about how it should be done. We saw it come up in the individual challenges in episode six, where he was really, you know, he had his system (laughs) of like how he wanted to rig up the car. We saw it when he was doing the iron building. Um, You know, he had like, he has usually a different approach. He marches to the beat of his own drummer. And sometimes, as we saw here, it pays dividends. And other times, like uh, he's very vulnerable, I think, to coming in last place when his ideas don't work. Yeah, I think I think it's not always a it's not always a question of working smarter not harder. It's a question of working of thinking outside the box. Yes. And sometimes sometimes you shouldn't be outside the box. Sometimes Just, you need to very much be in the box. Right. If this was the amazing race, then Kenji is the person like where everybody's like, "Okay, all of the teams are going this way. I'm just going to follow them." Where Kenji is the guy like, "I've looked at the map. I think we I have a shortcut." Yeah. Or, you know, everybody's doing that detour. I'm going to do this other one just in case it's quicker. Yeah. 
and you might end up like getting it done quicker and better and being the first team to arrive or you could end up in last place. So you could uh, end up with Phil coming out to get you three hours later. Yes. Kenji is high variance, but yeah. ultimately he's the only person, Mike, that he was like using physics on his side. He's the weight of the pounder, the yeah, 25 I mean pounder. It makes sense, right? Like, okay, 25 pounds down on the stake. Yes, you could put your additional weight into it, but you're going to gas out if you're doing, what, like 25, 30 of these things. We saw that from Ben, who finishes in a respectable, what, third place, which I thought the editing was going to make it seem like he would completely gas out at the end and, like, barely scrape out of overtime. The Ben edit has been interesting, where it feels like several times it gets edited as, uh-oh, Ben might be in trouble this time. And then he does really well. Well, this was very emotional for Ben because he has a real connection to apple orchards uh, that he was fired up. He got engaged in an apple orchard. <laughs> That's the whitest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> How do you like them apples? I guess very much so. It loves them. Uh, so uh, it was a real, yeah, Garden of Eden for Ben and his uh, fiance, as uh, that's where they uh, really decided they were going to uh, live together or uh, have a marriage. So we also had uh, Jessica, who also performed very well in this. She ended up coming in second. Mike, she was doing uh, kind of the uh, alligabler thing. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, someone who once upon a time dedicated a minute to the veterans and now a veteran herself. Every post was mm -hmm. a different person. And luckily they montaged it. So it didn't feel like, OK, people didn't feel like they got called out in her acceptance speech. Uh, she did not recognize any states, which I think does put her below or Gabler, dogs. unfortunately. Yeah. Or dogs. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we didn't see all of them. We didn't see all of them, yeah. So, Except I did love that last one of like, this one's for me, baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, really, it should have been, this one's for you, Akila. F you. She I mean, was this, thrilled. This really, gave, uh, this really gave me like, she sat in the hotel for like three hours the night before thinking about how am I going to put this together? Like, what am I going to bring to this challenge? Like, what kind of bit can I do? She was really Mike blooming it up there, if you if you will. Okay, all right. That's why I love her. She's a woman after my own heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's definitely she's very much she's very much in that Mike Bloom vein. <laughs> okay. Um, then poor Dustin, who was the first person to finish, and then no, Dustin, you have to go back. And he, for the life of him, could not figure out that his post was showing red. Yeah, but I think the main person who ends up falling here is Marcus, because Marcus, I think, got the check third and falls all the way down to ninth after he wasn't able to tie off like one sapling. I did think initially like, OK, this is going to be Dustin's Achilles heel, but he was able to figure it out. He just missed out on what was it? Five thousand dollars. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, that's not nothing. I suppose. But Dustin, well, Dustin's been interesting because Dustin won the first challenge with Ben. N nearly beat Paul in the second one, bottom three, then safe, then finished in the bottom in the last heat as well. So mm -hmm. Dustin is almost as high variance as Kenji is. Yeah, um, he's uh, ultimately going to be spared the overtime. Paul also uh, that he just squeaks through. He's very happy that he ultimately did that. And we're going to see uh, Marcus Jones and Cheryl heading to the OT. We talked about this offline Marcus Jones is the Groot of Tough as Nails, right? <laughs> I am Marcus Jones. That's how he, his famous words to clock out, right? Like, I'm Marcus Jones, and the one thing you need to know about me is I'm Marcus Jones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we are sort of like planting things, so I think it's good to have it uh, be, you know, somewhat Groot-related. And 
ultimately, uh, we have, again, on paper, a real mismatch. Marcus and Cheryl. But for Cheryl, this was not a challenge that really needed to be an overtime that involved a lot of physicality. You know what this reminded me of? This reminded me of, we're talking about how this is the best season since season one. This reminded me of the Rufer Lee Michelle showdown. Yes. Yeah, the hay bale stacking, yeah. Hay bale stacking, sure. And so this is basically going to be fill up your gallon jugs and uh, who can fill four gallon jugs and uh, both of them. Turns out that you don't want to put too many apples into the grinder, but ultimately it's close, but Cheryl gets it. I have realized, I think Cheryl reminds me a lot of Lunch Lady Denise from Survivor (laughs) China. Mm -hmm. In what way? Well, specifically the way that she got literally punchy and nearly destroyed the grinder with her last little batch reminded me a lot of Denise's aggressive yell when she put the balut in her mouth. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I felt like Phil was genuinely concerned. He's like, I don't want to have to pay this bill. Like, we're already on the hook for so many apples that you guys just flung all over the place. Please don't make me also have to pay for a cider mill. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it seemed like the grinder itself was like this metallic, obviously, vent into it with like a surrounding of wood. I don't know how that wood was adhered to the metal, but Cheryl somehow banged it off with just the amount of pressure she was putting with that poor little grinding thing. Yeah, um, she ultimately is going to be like uh, running around the thing uh, to get leverage on it. She gets all of the cider going and ultimately uh, she wins. Um Marcus, uh, he gets to give his catchphrase. I am Marcus Jones. And then <laughs> Phil, Phil comes out with uh, to toast the cider to everybody. Jess, do you think after these last two days of uh, smashing apples, being around, do you think that everybody actually liked the cider or were they so sick of apples that they faked it for the show? Well, I think I think it's one of those things where you kind of have to drink it and pretend you like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but, it, you know, it's not like it's foot wine. It's not like you're stomping grapes here. Mm-hmm. Well, now the it's question is, yeah, they, they had like show cider, right, for them to drink. It wasn't like, OK, here are the four jugs that Cheryl right. just filled up. Here's whatever nastiness they just threw in there. Well, there's a, yeah, there's like a significant filtration and fermentation process that goes into making actual cider. So this was like the stuff at the orchard that people pay like eight dollars a bottle for. Mm-hmm. So and they got it I'm, for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure the show probably paid for it probably. because yes. Uh, yeah. But they toasted the cider, and then just we got treated to like a, a <gasps> send fill out to uh, if America's got talent, Canada's got talent, New Zealand's got talent. Yeah, he's he's quite the juggler. Yeah, I didn't I Holding did not court. know he had it in him. Incredible. I, I love these post-credits scenes. We didn't talk about this last week, but they like went to a motocross race after they built the whoops. I hope this keeps being a thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, it's always been a thing. On (laughs) Tough as Nails, it's always been a thing where we've had like little social moments, like the time that everybody had a barbecue after they finished setting up a backyard. Yes. Yeah, but but I'm specifically, it's almost like what they do in The Bachelor, right? Where they put like, because they flashed back to the whole Leanne situation to have Phil juggling. So I hope we get more like little deleted scenes in it, if only to like showcase more Phil goofiness. Well, much like uh, Groot's films, you have to stay until after the credits on Tough as Nails. Don't leave. (laughs) Is Don't that how All-Stars is going to be announced? Samuel L. Jackson will appear and announce All-Stars, the Avengers, as being assembled? Yes, yes. Okay. So, all right. 
Dirty Hands, they had a three to two lead going into uh, task number six, uh, and they go to like the big box warehouse store. Now, um, it was, is, is this a, a common store in Canada? I think so, yeah. I yeah. think this is Canadian Home Depot, basically. Canadian Home Depot. I, I mean, like I the think color they scheme also, look like Lowe's, but. Maybe it's Canadian Lowe's. I, I'm not sure, but it seemed like in this challenge, being Canadian gave you a leg up because all of these people work in the kind of field where they have to go to the home goods store fairly often and they mm -hmm. all know their way around it. Mm -hmm. So that was that was kind of funny. It's like, OK, just let the Canadians lead the way because they know where everything is in this store. Yeah, um, we saw that. And Jessica says she says she's in a store like this every single day. Just not getting the right color gravel, it seems. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll check those skews. I mean, that that was for some reason, you know, we always obsess in these reality shows over yelling over the like most minute, ridiculous thing. And to have like Jessica and Akila talk back and forth about like, I got antique oak. No, it's mystic oak. Get the right oak. It's pretty ridiculous. The more you think you think about it. This was such an intriguing challenge because it really looked like that. OK, for once. The or for the first time in a while, the savage crew approach of, all right, everybody fan out, everybody go out and everybody grab stuff and bring it back here. This was the task that that approach was going to work. Jess, we saw Cheryl said, I'm going to have the list. I'm going to go out into the field. And then we saw where Dirty Hands was struggling to find Cheryl. And it looked like Savage Crew at one point uh, seemed to have like a pretty big lead. Yeah, but if there's one thing Savage Crew is good at, it's snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, we saw one of the Savage Crew wins. It looked like that this was like the inverse of that, where it looked like that Dirty yeah. Hands had it the whole way. And then Savage Crew just snuck in at the end when they had to galvanize the steel uh, tractor uh, that they were pulling. And then this was, Mike, the opposite of that. Yeah, and it's really interesting because even when they were trying to institute these two different methods, it was still fairly close. Like Phil did that first check-in and it was, I think, like 33 versus 28. I thought the way it was being personified, complete with the music choices, right? Like this time, to that point, comparing it to the galvanizing challenge, we had like the intense music for Dirty Hands and Savage Crew had like the dodo music, essentially. Sorry, the opposite way. Dirty Hands had like the, they don't know what they're doing. They can't find Cheryl because she's running around with the list, which is the reason why you have a secondary location to leave the list. But leave it to Dirty Hands to like check in, realize what they were doing, course correct, which I think has been one of the things they are able to do more so than Savage Crew. And surge ahead, benefit from the fact that Savage Crew missed out on a couple of key items and win in maybe like one of the closest finishes we have ever seen. Like there is no question about this. They were in the same frame. They were running to the truck at the same time. Dirty Hands won by, I would say, maybe two seconds. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about um, the stove. Jess, should there have been some sort of a penalty for breaking the stove in the store? Like, shouldn't that have been part of the thing? And like, and you don't, and if you break anything, there's a time penalty. Yeah, I feel like you break it, you bought it. Should have been the rule of the day. Um, I don't know. Like, if we're just shopping, if like the three of us are just shopping in one of these places, and Mike breaks a stove. Wait, why, why is it me automatically? Uh, well. 
Am, am I wrong? No, but still. <laughs> like, it depends on the object and, like, the degree to which you're screwing around while it happens. But sometimes they just write it off. Like, there's a certain amount of that stuff that gets written off. But there's also a certain amount, like, if you break it, you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. Now, I am confused as to how this happened. This thing shattered. Like, not even <laughs> spiderwebbed. Disintegrated by a shopping cart? running into it, if anything, I am grateful to the skills or lack thereof of Kenji and Yessi, because I don't want to buy that stove anytime soon. I'm going to stub my toe on it, and the thing is going to disintegrate in front of me. Well, it's a certain type of ceramic. You hit it at that angle, and it does. It does just pulverize. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was wild. I, I thought that really would have been a bigger deal. It's yeah, like, I thought okay, you had to clean up on. your job site. Yeah. yeah, they should have had to at least clean it up, Jess. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe like, they had to go the back room. after him. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just happy that Cheryl didn't make her way to the stove or that thing would have just been pounded to pieces by the time she was done with it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a really wild moment. And then uh, ultimately, like Savage Crew has to give their lead back because they have the wrong uh, things on the uh, checkout line. And then ultimately, uh, Dirty Hands steals one. Right out from under him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got to check those skew numbers. All right. Um, do we think Dirty Hands will lock this up next time? Well, yes, but not in the way that we think, because there are two episodes next time. The way I could see it is I would see Savage Crew has a win in episode seven, and then Dirty Hands wins in like episode eight mm -hmm. uh, to officially clinch it, and then the rest is sort of just garbage time. Let's see if Savage Crew can get some extra money. Just do you think that the Dirty Hands alumni have the champagne on ice ready to clinch it if uh, it turns out that Dirty Hands gets one more victory? I mean, our dirty hands people are really champagne people. I <laughs> what feel do they like have? they've got Your like hands are just so dirty. They can't even touch a champagne bottle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they got a case of beer. They got I a think. case of beer ready. Uh, they got the beers on ice ready to send to some great memes of Savage Crew struggling to the group chat. Yeah, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that group chat. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, the interesting, uh, as Jess referenced to open the show, the packing, the tracking, the stacking, the unpacking here in the challenge. And we had everybody in teams. And Jess, this was interesting that we've gotten this a couple times of like uh, the like, uh, would you like to dance uh, picking a partner <laughs> sequence? This is so weird. And, and you can tell like the way they edited it, you could tell it went on for way, way longer than we actually got to see. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, I, I've never seen a pairing off situation like that like in the past seasons we've had people you know whoever won the last one gets to pair people off for this one or something along those lines or they'll do it randomly but this is just like yeah you you have to pitch yourself this is a new this is a new vernacular that i'm unfamiliar with yeah yeah i do i do miss the advantages from the challenge winners last time i guess the money is now the new advantage of them trying to throw it on there but yeah otherwise we get as probably awkward as it was back in the middle school days as well. But to your point, Jess, I would not be surprised if an inordinate amount of silence was edited out between every one of those pitches where people are just waiting for the next person to go. By far the best part was Phil saying like, Akila, you're the only one that's left. She's like, yeah, I'm going stag. 
I don't want to do any. And if anyone wants to come my way, that's totally fine. I'm sure we'll go to overtime anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved Akila's like total shutdown of this nonsense. Like, <laughs> yes. why should I have to pitch myself? Do you I see what care. I do in teams? Do yes. you really want that? <laughs> Cheryl is also the queen of like, I would also like to pitch to this person. I know that somebody, <laughs> Cheryl is going to make it awkward. Uh, I feel like, Jess, didn't she do that the first time around? She also? did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's one of those situations. I think there's some production interference. Like they got their thumb on their scales on that one. They're going to Cheryl and like, hey, you know, it can't just be like everybody says yes to everybody all the time. You got to go in there. You got to make it weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'll also give it to Todd here of why should your thought be always go with the first person who said your name. Like, I don't think dibs should really come into play when you're competing for $200,000. Yeah, I don't think it really was how he made the decision. I think he's like, well, Cheryl can barely walk. Uh, and <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm gonna, Jessica is right here. I'm going to take Jessica. Like a, and she, she did does have the first. capacity to hurl tires at my head. But at she, she doesn't speeds. love Tetris like Paul. I mean, that's, I, I thought that was a pretty good pitch. <laughs> Listen, Paul doesn't like dirt. He doesn't like running. He doesn't like mud, but he loves Tetris. Yeah. Look, tough as nails contestant after my own heart. Mike, what do you think that Paul's reaction is when Paul has it all set up for a long straight piece and he ends up getting one of the squiggly ones? Oh, come on! <laughs> Get straight! Fix it! Who did this piece? <laughs> Not that one. Shut Not up. that one. Yeah. Come on. And then he comes out like, whoa, that was a pretty good game. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we did anything wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the uh, teams were going to uh, compete back and forth. They had some interesting uh, styles. Just, I, I enjoyed this. This was fun to see how the different approaches were going to work. And it was a little bit of like, oh, that's not going to work. Yeah, I like the tires on the ring toss situation. <laughs> that was really fun. I love I love the hose just sort of dangling off the back of the truck like a tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I want Kenji to like have an installation in MoMA. That thing was a work of art with just willy nilly. Well, just throw the tires over the pieces of plywood, and we'll just sort of loosely drape the hose over it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a plan, but it was just like <laughs> that was not a plan that was going to work. Well, just I think that Kenji was sort of of like uh indignant about it where he's like like hey nothing fell off it's just dragging it's fine like that should still count i'm just the hose is just touching the ground it's all still on there yeah and everybody's like yeah nobody call canadian osha because that's not compliant with anything (laughs) yeah i do fear todd said he has you know comprehensive packing experience from moving his kids in and out of college God help Kenji's children is all I will say. Like, well, we dragged your mini fridge for the past 15 miles, but I think it's still good. Still good. We got this. Uh, Bad news about the stove. Uh, Sorry, kids. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get you a hot plate. What did Kenji's response to that? Like, that's hilarious, bro. I think that's how he'd respond as well if his own daughter's stove fractured. Yeah. Sorry. I hope you didn't need that microwave. But we... Had a second round, the second heat. And just, I I like this because it was like, you got to kind of learn from what went wrong in the first heat and have another chance at this. And so it was about uh, who could make adjustments uh, between when Kenji and Dustin got to go against uh, Akila and Cheryl. Yeah. And I think, well, I think Kenji is probably very good at that sort of thing. Like he's way outside the box and then he's going to decide if he needs to get weirder or less weird. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So ultimately, uh, they're able to pull it off. I did kind of think that uh, Akil and Cheryl were going to have it nailed down. Like, I thought that Kenji was like, no, my my system is perfect. Like, I just need a little adjustment and it's going to work. And I kind of thought that Cheryl and Akila were going to beat them. But no, Cheryl and Akila are going to go back into uh, the overtime, second overtime for Cheryl uh, yeah. this weekend. I was surprised that Ben and Paul ended up winning. This came out of nowhere because they had the big commercial stinger right of like, oh, I got stuck on the hill. I hate hills. Uh, but then they <laughs> were able to like easily pull themselves out and not only beat Akila and Cheryl, but apparently Tom and Jessica as well, who seem to be from our perspective, flying through the course. And I do think one of my favorite Jessica moments was her just bellowing, Watch out, Todd! As she's just errantly throwing tires like they're frisbees at his head. Mm -hmm. um, all right, let's talk about the overtime for this uh, second episode where it's Cheryl versus Akila. And Jess, Phil has like a real like uh, moment with Cheryl of like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? This is a suicide mission, Cheryl. You sure you want this? <laughs> Yeah, this was this was a little bit strange. You don't need to do this, Cheryl. Don't be a hero. Yeah, which it also it, it feels like it's very against the toughest nails ethos because Cheryl's just like, nah, man, I rubbed some dirt on it. I'm good. Yeah, but this but this feels healthier than the Jeff oh. probes like put your body on the line every single second. That's the only way to play this game. It's like, Cheryl, your leg could fall off if you walk the wrong way on this balance beam. Are yeah. you really sure you want to do this? Because you are staying in for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah I'm not mean, doing a freight of, train situation. Part of being tough as nails is understanding the limitations of your physical body. Mm -hmm. It's like, Cheryl, we've crunched the numbers on this. Uh, there is a 0% chance you're going to win this overtime against Akila. Do we, do we need to run it? But they gave her the option because what if she had won it? That would have been the greatest story ever, and we would never stop talking about it. Yes, it would have been a, a great, great story, uh, but at what cost? Uh, because uh, Cheryl, I did think that was interesting. She's like, no, I'm a team player. Look, uh, I, I'm maybe I'm not going to win, but I gotta. I can't just give up. I got to wear down Akila. I'm not going to go easy on a savage crew person. I, I got to get Akila tired for tomorrow. Yeah, truly, who is the savage person here? Yeah. That's why I love Cheryl. Is like, as she mentioned, Cheryl's like sassy. She's punchy. She talks about it, right? Carly's a, a nice, like, ray of sunshine. And I'm like the overcast skies that may or may not tell you when it's raining. And right now, she's going to rain down yeah. as uh, she, she fumbles here. No, seriously, though, that's how nice Carly is. That Cheryl is like, boy, I wish I could be that nice. And Cheryl is already like the nicest person ever. Yeah, you know, you know, though, Rob, I feel like every single one of these people in this cast, I feel like if we were to speak to any of them, they would be the nicest person we've ever met. Even Paul. Even Paul. Like, I would say Paul is probably like, you know, for a Tough as Nails contestant, he's a little bit rough around the edges. But as a human, he's probably nicer than all of us put mm -hmm. together. As mm -hmm. long as you're not like, Paul, get in this mud puddle with me and let's <laughs> chat about the season. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think I could have a beer with him. I don't know if I want to mud wrestle it. Okay, fair enough. All right, R -H -A -P -O -O -C, that one's for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, we go back and forth and look, it looks like that uh, Cheryl is like holding her own, but then she takes a spill and she says that it looked worse than it really was. And on the slow-mo replay, like I give her that, but I was like, oh, and Cheryl just broke her leg. 
Yeah, this is like a Tua situation of like, well, are you really going to keep going? Like, oh, no, I think you should go see the doctor about this. Because we also had in the previous OT, she rolled that same ankle while she was running through the field almost immediately. So I don't know if Cheryl's going to end up in an iron lung by the end of all this. But clearly this was something that put her behind even further. But Akila was really interesting here. And she's also growing to be one of my favorites because I feel like her character showed a lot of complexity. The past few episodes, she's very much been about like, what are y'all doing? Keep the team strong. You're not putting in enough hustle. And then we discover a bit of her vulnerabilities that even she didn't realize about how her father hadn't been around, essentially. And that was a presence that she didn't necessarily need, but wanted. And so he had worked in concrete and she happened to use that moment to like channel him and almost like send a message out to him as well. Of Even if you're not watching the show, I know wherever you are, just know that I do love you and I do appreciate you. Yeah, because... At first, um, I had thought that her father had passed, but it makes it seem like uh, she spoke about him in the present tense, correct? That he is uh, still alive, just so that they are estranged? I think she may not know, for yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to put like uh, that type of label on, but that would be amazing if they end up sort of reconnecting uh, over this, and because it is like a really great moment in the show. Yeah, it was it was really powerful. And it was almost like I really hated to see Cheryl go out like this at yeah. this point. But it was really hard to begrudge Akilah that win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I think it'll be interesting to see will this affect Akilah moving forward that I think she has been based on her own worldview, pretty critical of like other people being emotional. You know, she's the one that talks back at Jessica being like, don't you raise your voice at me. And now here's a moment where she's been emotional that she's let her emotions show a bit on her sleeves is that something that she'll be using to find some common ground with her team because she explicitly says in one of these episodes like yeah i don't know if we'll ever get on the same page maybe this is a few words towards being on that same page okay well this was a a really great moment sad to see cheryl have to punch out of the individual competition but probably for the best because we know what that uh tough as nails final looks like and it doesn't seem like uh cheryl in her current state and with how her leg is doing that she's gonna ultimately be able to uh beat out two other people in that tough as nails final no she definitely wasn't going to win but she was really fun to root for. It's the beauty listen, of Tough as Nails. She's still around. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she'll get the benefit of probably being the crew boss for the remaining few episodes. I, real quick, because now we're down to, what, seven people, and we'll be down to five next week. We're, like, more than halfway through. Do any of you have, like, a chalk winner pick in mind? I know we said the winners that it doesn't exist for this show, but based on what we've seen so far, who do you think's most likely to take it home in the end? Mm, I can I can give you some chalk picks for finalists, but I don't know if I have a I don't know if I have a clear draw on who I think the winner is going to be. Like I think I see both Akila and Ben in the finals. Yeah, I'm mm. starting to Actually, feel Akila now. Yeah, Akila, Ben, Jessica would be the best final. Of I mean, there'd be the best final. I don't know. I think Dustin has a very good shot of winning. Yes, he's definitely fumbled the bag a few times, but considering that final gauntlet is just like barrel on through, maintain a cool head and just put your head down. Like that's what Dustin has been built up to be on Savage Crew. I'm not sure if other people like an Akila, like a Jessica who have those hotter personalities might flare out over the course of that gauntlet. Okay. Well, let's leave it there for now. Uh, We may be reconnecting for some more Tough as Nails uh, later on this week. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Jess, anything else you want to add? Um, no, this was a great, great pair of episodes. Always love being here talking it out with you guys. Yeah, it was a fun week. Jess, uh, what's coming up for you? Uh, well, I am currently in the middle of like 
podcast crunch time. Um, this is my last week of four podcasts a week. Thank God. Um, I will be recapping the final episode of Walking Dead Dead City with our usual panel of our post-show recaps with Josh Wiggler, AJ Mass, and Chappelle. And that's been a really fun season. I highly recommend if you've fallen off of Walking Dead, this is a good one to pick back up because it was really highly entertaining. We had a good time talking it out. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, Mike Blue and I talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds every week. And that is also terribly fun. And then um, Dan Heaton and I are covering Amazing Grace Canada over on Reality TV Rehap Ups. And again, I, I have no complaints about what I'm watching and covering. It's just that there's an awful lot of it lately. Okay. Uh, well, Jess, uh, great to get the chat some tough as nails with you here uh, this week as we cross the halfway point. Mike, what's coming up for you? Yeah, so Jess mentioned Star Trek. I'm also talking Star Wars with uh, Star Wars Rebels covering Battlestar Galactica. And then uh, also something that I will... I guess lightly spoil is that last week I had the great pleasure of appearing on the last regular Big Brother offseason draft podcast where myself, Taryn Amon and Lavina drafted famous Big Brother competitions. And I had the pleasure of Dirty Hand Style just edging out a win there. Oh. And so I get to join the winners for our own Winners at War Brant Steel, where we get to draft teams of Big Brother contestants that get thrown into a Brant Steel. I am very much not used to being a participant in said Brant Steel. So I'm excited to like step back from being crew boss and uh, allow myself to just be one of the regular teammates here. Okay, well, have fun with that, Mike. Uh, of course, uh, we've got coverage of Claim to Fame uh, coming up later on on Monday night as well and of course our survivor 44 postseason interviews up on robhasawebsite.com thank you so much for joining us take care everybody have a good one bye okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.